Welcome on this crisp October morning. October is a beautiful month to be in a series. Am I right, Phillies fans? <laughs> All right, so I, I, I admit I had baseball on my mind as I was preparing for this, and I thought, okay, so Pastor Jeff was our starter, right? He got things he got things going for us, and then we had two solid innings of middle relief from Pastor Paul, and, <laughs> and now they've called in the lefty to close things out. <laughs> so, uh, that's a lot of pressure. I've not, I don't think I've been in the closer role before, but if there's anything I've learned uh, from watching this series recently, it's that we do have the best home crowd in the country, I have to say. Uh, so so um, what I'd like to do is let you guys participate for a minute, show the quality uh, home crowd that you are, uh, and in this Empowered series, uh, we have a theme verse, and I know that our kids are learning it, I've heard them quoting it uh, back in, in KidZone, and now it's your turn, so we're going to put that uh, theme verse up on the slides, and I'd like all of you to say this together with me, this is Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8. All right, nice job. And so if those places don't make a whole lot of sense to you in our American context, just so you kind of understand what was happening there, it was basically an expanding... uh, influence, where they started. Jerusalem was the town where they were in uh, when the Holy Spirit came on them and gave them that power. And then they began to expand to Judea. That was the region that Jerusalem was in. And then Samaria was the, the next region beyond Judea and then to the ends of the earth. So really what he's looking, what he's trying to say here is when the Holy Spirit comes on us and gives us power, we start to influence right where we are and then that power grows and expands uh, as we continue to move in that power. So that's the theme of our verse uh, for this four-week... I'm sorry, that's our theme verse uh, for this four-week series. And just to kind of summarize what we've covered since this is the fourth week, uh, I put a little graphic together to kind of explain how this fits together. Uh, and I wanted to clarify, this is not a bar graph measuring the duration of the sermons. This is, this is just, what I'm trying to show here is, as you move from left to right, week one through week four, these are not individual messages in a nice neat box, and the first message is over, we move to the next message, and we can just disregard what we learned. Each of these weeks are building on what we learned in the prior week. So week one, Pastor Jeff taught us about who the Holy Spirit is, right? We learned that he is a person, he is part of the Trinity, uh, and he comes alongside us and he is our helper and our advocate. And that was not a one-time meeting of the Holy Spirit, but he remains our advocate as he walks with us through our spiritual journey. So that continues, and we move on to week two. Week two, Pastor Paul taught us about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we learned that as we repent and as we give over more of our lives to the Holy Spirit, he begins to fill us to overflowing, and that's not a one-time filling, and it's just something that you remember from your days 30 years ago of that one time I got baptized, but it is a continual filling uh, as we, you know, begin to, if you remember the 
the illustration that he had of that, that big container of water, continually the Holy Spirit pouring into us. Uh, and that moves on to week three, where we learn about the fruit of the Spirit. And as we are filled more and more with the Holy Spirit, starting with that baptism, we begin to look different. We begin to look more like Jesus looks. And the evidence of having been filled with the Holy Spirit and having this new life in us is we begin to look more like Jesus does. We begin to show love and joy and peace and patience. And all along, you know, the Holy Spirit continues to be our helper. We continually are filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. And we look more and more like him as these fruits grow in our lives. And then we're moving on to week four, which is the gifts of the Spirit. But we're not going to say, all right, yesterday I was loving and joyful, patient and peaceful, Thank goodness that's over. Now we're moving on. (laughs) Tell me about these gifts. No, that's not where we are. These gifts continue. And as we start to practice the gifts of the Spirit, as he grants us these abilities, we're supposed to exercise them, having built up this foundation that we've been laying since the first week of this series. So we're exercising these gifts following our advocate and following our helper as he's filling us and refilling us as we are living out a life of love and joy and peace. And then we get to to start to exercise these gifts. So that's where we are this morning. I've entitled uh, this morning's message, uh, Gifted with a Purpose. And so I want to talk through this morning. Uh, My my key point or the, the big idea for this morning is this. Here's what I want you to know about the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are given freely to believers as the Holy Spirit chooses to fulfill the mission of the church. So if you remember nothing else that I say this morning, at least remember that part of it. The gifts of the Spirit are given freely to all believers as the Holy Spirit chooses to fulfill the mission of the church. But hopefully, you guys can stick with me, uh, and if we go to the next slide, these are the three questions that I want to talk through with you this morning to understand a little bit more about the gifts of the Spirit. First of all, the most basic question, what are they? Uh, Number two, why are they given? And then, you know, just knowing those facts doesn't help us at all unless we also answer question number three, which is how do we use them? So that's what I would like to go over with you this morning. What are the gifts of the Spirit? Why are they given? And how do we use them? So, uh, first question is, uh, what are the gifts of the Spirit? So, where are my list people? Anybody in here love lists? All right. So, there's three, three different lists of the gifts of the Spirit that we find in the New Testament. Um, if you want to turn with me to these three references and just kind of keep a finger in each section, you can do that. Or if you just want to follow along in the slides, um, that's fine too. I know we're going to be doing a lot of flipping around this morning, uh, but... Uh, The the three passages we're going to look at is Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. Uh, And this grouping, I just wanted to kind of pause and do a quick commercial here. So this grouping of of gifts, I got this from a book uh, written by George Wood that Pastor Paul encouraged me to read uh, in prepping for this sermon called Living in the Spirit. If you do want to dig more into this and, and understand, there's so much more content than what I can fit uh, into a sermon. Uh, but if, if you really want to dig into that, I, I do recommend that book a lot uh, to really kind of understand um, what, you know, how the Spirit moves in our lives and how we really live a life 
uh, of empowerment that comes from that Holy Spirit. Uh, so, so Dr. Wood describes the gifts in three different categories. Um, the Eagles don't play till eight. The Phillies don't play till tomorrow. So over the next few hours, I want to go through each of the 21 gifts <laughs> on this slide. Uh, that, that would completely mess up my bar chart. I'm not going to do that. Uh, so I, I just want to kind of highlight what are the three categories of gifts uh, that we find uh, in the Bible. Uh, and so we're not going to jump to these scriptures yet. I just kind of, kind of want to do a, a highlight reel here. Um, first of all, the motivational gifts. These are gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to believers to kind of build the motivation and the ministry uh, to other believers to develop the church uh, and, and to empower them. So we see gifts like uh, prophecy. A lot of times when we think prophecy, we think like predicting the future. Uh, and that is part of it. But really what prophecy is getting at is just relaying a message from God. Uh, and so, you know, we'll see that in, in the body at times, this gift of prophecy. Uh, a gift of serving. You know, there are very, like Pastor Paul has, has said before, you know, uh, changing diapers is a spiritual thing. And so there are, there are times where uh, serving is just, some people are just really gifted at that. Uh, and that is something that, that builds up the church. Uh, teaching, encouraging, uh, giving. Uh, generosity is not something that comes natural to us in our, in our human selves, right? That is a, a spiritual gift. Leading and showing mercy. So these are all gifts that kind of help to motivate the body of Christ to shape it into uh, the, the bride of Christ that God has called us to be. So that's the first category. The, the next category, this is the one that tends to get all of the attention. Here's where you really start to see the, the supernatural effects of the Holy Spirit working within our natural bodies. Uh, and so this we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, and you see things like wisdom and knowledge. And you might think, well, that's not that supernatural. I know some, some pretty smart people and you know, they're, not, they're not in the church they're, and they're pretty wise. And really what this is getting at is a supernatural level of knowledge, something that, things that you would, there's no way in the natural world you would have known that other than that being placed uh, into you by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, So that's what we're looking at there. Uh, Gifts of faith, healing, and miracles. These are things that, yes, our medical uh, community can do amazing things these days with the technology that we've been given, but there's still a level of the miraculous that can only come from the Holy Spirit and can only come from, from those who have been gifted in that uh, to do what even doctors can't understand and uh, can't figure out how that could have happened. Uh, we see prophecy pop up again. Uh, discernment. So discernment, kind of a big word there, but really what that's getting at is there are people who can say things really well and you want to believe them, but discernment is that ability to hear it, but you have that, that check in your spirit to say, wow, that, that sounded really good, but something, something just not sitting right about that. And, and those who have the gift of discernment can kind of work through that and figure out, well, is this, is what's being said really of God? Is this really of the Spirit, or is this something that someone's just trying to manufacture in their own strength? So that's the gift of discernment. And then the last two really go together, tongues and interpretation. Tongues is what we saw uh, in the beginning of Acts, right? This was what caused such a stir uh, when the Holy Spirit first came on the church uh, as Jesus had promised. Uh, and that is you know, speaking in, in a tongue that, uh, 
that you, don't, you hadn't already learned. And sometimes it might be uh, another human language you know, from another part of the world that you just never learned. That's what we saw in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit first came on them. The disciples started speaking and preaching the gospel in the language of all of the different people groups that were in Jerusalem for that festival. Or other times, it can be a heavenly language. It can be a language that there are no humans on earth that would know what those words are that you're saying that you've been given from the Holy Spirit. And that's where that last gift comes in, which is interpretation. So there are times where in our individual prayer life, we pray in tongues, we speak in that, um, that heavenly language between us and God, and that's the Holy Spirit speaking on our behalf. Uh, and that is an, an important part of our relationship with God and an important part of our spiritual growth, but that's not what we're referring to here in the, in the context of spiritual gifts. What we're talking about here is gifts for the building up of the church. And so when someone speaks in tongues, then the church is not really built up or edified unless it can also be followed by an interpretation. And sometimes that comes from the speaker who spoke in tongues. Uh, other times, God will give a message of tongues to one believer and then give a message of interpretation to another believer. Uh, but either way, it's, it works together to show that this is a supernatural message that could have only come from the Father. That's the tongues part of it. But the church needs to know what it meant and, and what God is trying to say, and that's the interpretation part of it. So those are the, the spiritual gifts that we see in 1 Corinthians. And then this last category is in Ephesians chapter 4, and it's what Dr. Wood calls the ministry gifts. And these are more like roles or positions within the church or within the body of, of Christ. We see apostles, we see prophets. That's the only one that shows up in all three lists. Prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So there are people that have been placed in the body of Christ and have been gifted with responsibilities and the ability to perform those responsibilities in a way that builds up and edifies the church. So these are our three main categories of the spiritual gifts, motivational gifts, spiritual gifts, and ministry gifts. And then if you've still got one of your fingers in 1 Corinthians, I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. Uh, and that says that all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes to each of them just as He determines. So before we move on to why He gives them, there's two more, uh, two more facts I want you to understand about what these gifts are. First of all, these are multiple gifts, but they are all given from the same Holy Spirit. So we do not say that person has the spirit of prophecy, and that person has the spirit of wisdom. And that person has the spirit of tongues. We say that person has the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues. I forget which other ones I said, but they're, they're individual gifts, but they are all coming from one Holy Spirit who has one purpose in mind to spread these gifts out, all working together for this common purpose. And so, so we say these are the gifts of the Spirit, and we, we do not say that these are individual spirits that are coming in and filling, filling different people, filling different spirits, filling different people. It is one Holy Spirit, and he operates differently in each believer. 
Uh, and the other piece that I want to point out in this verse is it says, he distributes to each one just as he determines. So what, what that means there is the Holy Spirit is ultimately the one that decides who gets which gifts. So this is a little bit different than the fruit of the Spirit that we learned about last week. The fruit of the Spirit describes how we should live our life and how we should operate in things like the gifts. And we should all strive to operate in all of the fruits of the Spirit. We should all be loving. We should all be peaceful. We should all be joyful. We should all show mercy. We should all be patient. We don't say, he has the gift of patience. I don't have time for that, right? So, so the fruits of the Spirit are meant to apply all the fruits growing in all of the believers. The gifts of the Spirit are a little bit different. Um, and when, whenever the Apostle Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit, it's usually in the context of there is one body of Christ, but we are not all the same part. We all provide different functions uh, and we meet different needs for the body. And so these gifts, you know, when you see this list of 21 things and you think, how, how in the world am I ever going to accomplish all 21 of these things? That was never the intent. This is a list of gifts that we see in the New Testament that uh, God gives to his church, but it's the spirit that determines who has which gifts and how they're going to operate based on how that person is wired, how that person has been designed and created by the Heavenly Father, how that person is, is plugged in and is operating within the body. And so he's the one that is making that ultimate determination, and he is the, the one spirit that unifies all of us, even though we are given different gifts from that same spirit. So that answers question number one, which is, what are the gifts of the spirit? We see there are three categories and we see that they are given uh, by one spirit and they are, they are distributed to the believers. So question number two, if you still have a, a finger in Ephesians, we're going to jump to the passage in Ephesians chapter 4 next to begin to answer the question, why are these gifts given? So in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, the Apostle Paul says this to the church in Ephesus. He says, in talking about the spiritual gifts, he says, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So there's a lot in there. We're going to kind of break that down in a minute. But really what we're getting at is these are not just gifts that we then wear as merit badges of, I've, I've earned my tongues badge. I've earned my interpretation badge, and look at me, I've done these things. Each of the gifts that he gives to us are meant to build up the body of Christ. And it you know, talks about this goal of, you know, we all reach unity. That's like what we were talking about a minute ago. It's all one spirit working together here. And so we are all reaching unity, and we're growing our faith. We're growing our knowledge of the Son of God, and we are becoming a mature church. Uh, and so, so really, you know, you could look at this kind of selfishly and say, well, wait a minute. It sounds like the gifts that I receive aren't actually for me. The gifts here are 
I'm given a gift so that I can build up someone else. And there is a little bit something there. Let's talk through that. First of all, the Bible does say that he who is refreshed will himself be refreshed. So to some extent, yes, you're given this gift to bless others. And in doing that, you're going to be blessed in the process. Have you ever done something kind for someone? And then how did that make you feel? Doesn't that feel good to be nice to someone else? You're like, oh man, like to see the smile on their face. You're like, I, I, I did that. You know, I, I blessed that person. And it's not about me, but it, it just feels good to see how you blessed someone else. But the other aspect of this is, this is why it is so important to operate as a unified body of believers. Because yes, if, if I'm given a gift and my gift is to minister to the people around me, and I'm the only one executing the gift, I'm going to get drained and I'm going to be emptied out, right? But if we've got a whole body of believers and each of us understands this is what my gift is and I'm going to use it to, to minister to the people around me, then while you're executing your gift and you're blessing others, you are also being blessed by the people around you. So if you figure there's what, probably about 150 people in the room this morning. If we're all looking out for ourselves and we're just trying to do what's best for me, what's going to make me grow, how many people are looking out for you? One, right? You are the one person looking out for number one. If we're in a room of 150 believers and everyone is looking to do what ministers and what blesses the people around them, how many people are looking out for the best for you? 149. You guys, you guys know math. Great job. <laughs> so, so this is why it's, it's so important that the Christian faith is one of community and of building each other up and of exercising the gifts that he has given us. And when, when we reject the gifts, when we choose not to use the gifts, we're not just being humble and saying, oh, you don't have to give me that. I'm good. I'm fine. Really what we're doing is we are missing out on an opportunity to bless the people around us, and they are missing out on having an opportunity to have been blessed. And so ultimately what we see in Ephesians chapter 4 here is that all of these gifts are given, and they're given differently to different members of the body, but they are all serving a function so that the body can operate together in a healthy way. But it gets even bigger than that. It is not just beyond ourselves and going to a healthy church. If we can flip to a section that I, I didn't have you put your finger in, but we're going to jump to Acts chapter 2, because you, you can't talk about the Holy Spirit and not cover at least something from Acts chapter 2, right? <laughs> uh, so let me just set up the, the story while you're, while you're turning there in your Bible. So Acts chapter 2, this is where we see the Holy Spirit uh, descend on the disciples. Uh, they go out into the town of Jerusalem, where there are people from all different countries there, Uh, speaking all different languages, and the disciples begin to speak in tongues for the first time, and they share the gospel in the languages of all the different people that are represented. And the whole town is just baffled. Uh, It says uh, in Acts 2, uh, they're amazed and perplexed. They have no idea what's going on. They're trying to figure this out. And so the apostle Peter stands up, uh, and he tries to explain what, what's happening here. So I'm going to read uh, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 16. 
Uh, And so just to kind of set the context, this is Andy quoting the Apostle Paul, who is quoting the prophet Joel, who is quoting God himself. (laughs) So a little bit of whisper down the lane, but but, but hopefully you consider all four some trusted sources. Uh, (laughs) All right, so so, uh, Apostle Paul, I'm sorry, the Apostle Peter, I apologize if I said Paul a minute ago, the Apostle Peter stands up uh, and he begins to explain to the crowd uh, what is happening, and he immediately goes back to the prophet Joel, and really what he's saying there is this should not take us by surprise. This is something that God had predicted through his prophet hundreds of years ago. You know, we, we should have known this was coming. So this is what he says. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So what you see there is God is no respecter of person or of status. He's, you know, he's going across genders. Men and women are going to receive this. He's going across social statuses, whether you are an heir or whether you're just a servant. On all of God's people, he is going to pour out his spirit. And let's continue uh, moving on to verse 19. Blood and fire, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you're probably thinking, whoa, that's a lot. What's what's going on there? So I, I figured... There's enough going on here, it warranted a picture. So I, I, I put this diagram together to hopefully explain what's happening here. So, so we live in this time box referred to as the last days. So for my Swifties out there, this is our era. We are in, <laughs> we are in the last days. The last days started in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out on his disciples. The last days will end when the Lord returns and comes to take home his church. So you think that that is a lot of days, right? We're already 2,000 years in to this window called the last days. Uh, but in, in one of Peter's epistles, Second Peter, he says that for God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And it also says that God is patient and he wants to wait as long as he can so that as many people as possible will turn to him and believe. So, so we don't know how many last days we have. All we know is that we are already in them. They started 2,000 years ago, and they're going to end at some point when Christ returns. Now, during that era, during that period of the last days, this is God's formula for how he wants to accomplish his goal of everyone calling on the Lord and being saved. He's going to use two things working together. The first is the empowered church. And so this is why the gifts of the Spirit are so important. Because it is not for us, we've already established that, right? It's not just to build up the receiver of the gift. It's to build up the church, the body of Christ. But even that is not enough. The whole reason we're building up the body of Christ, the whole reason we're empowering the church with the Holy Spirit 
is because God wants to do everything he can to get the attention of the world so that, that bottom line, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So he's going to use the empowered church. He's going to use signs and wonders. So you heard some, some crazy stuff in that passage, right? Um, it talks about uh, fire and billows of smoke and the, thing, the moon being turned to blood, uh, darkness. And so all of these things, you know, he's not just showing off. He's, trying, he's literally shaking heaven and earth to get our attention. That's what he's trying to do here. This is his goal in the last days, and this is why the gifts of the Spirit are so important. All right, so hopefully now I have you, we have a, a consistent understanding of what are these gifts that we've been talking about. Why is God trying to give, it to us, give these gifts to us in the first place, but just knowing those two facts doesn't do us any good unless we ask that third question, which is, how do we use these gifts? What do we do about it? You know, you you just told me all this kind of scary stuff. What are we going to do? So the first thing we need to do if we are going to operate in the gifts of the Spirit is, comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which is to pursue the gifts that edify the church. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 12, the Apostle Paul says that since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. So this can be a little bit confusing because you might be thinking, well, earlier, Andy, you said the Spirit is the one that decides who gets what gifts. And now you're telling me you go pursue the gifts and you seek out the gifts that are going to build up the whole church. How do those two things play together? And so I, I'd give you this analogy. We're talking about gifts, right? So think about when you were a kid, your Christmas list, right? You put together your list of these are the things that I want. These are the, you know, the cases that I'm going to try and make that I should get for Christmas. But then there's someone else who's reading that list, right? Older than you, may or may not have a red hat, different sermon for a different day. <laughs> but they're going to look at that list, and they're like, oh, yeah, that, that's a great one for Paul. That's right in line with the way I, I wired him. This one, no, nah, he's going to shoot his eye out. I don't think he's ready for that one. <laughs> you know, so, so there's kind of that balance of we, we are pursuing the gifts But the Spirit is the one that's saying, well, here's the ones you're ready for, or here's the ones that you're wired for. And there's ones that he is just begging for you to ask him for because he wants to give it to you. But the thing with a gift is you can't force it on someone. Right? To pause for a quick story here. I was in high school, uh, so about 16 years old. I was dating this girl for a few months. And we're starting to come towards the holiday season, right? So it rolls into December. I want to get her something really special for Christmas. So I, I go to Things Remembered. You guys remember that, that store? You can get, they'll engrave anything. So I got a picture of the two of us. I got our names engraved on it in silver. And I'm, I'm all set. I got it all wrapped up. I'm getting ready to give it to her. And she dumps me. <laughs> and I'm like, like well, uh, do you at least take this gift and... And, and you'll re- it'll be to remember me by. You can remember 
our time together. Turns out teenage girls don't want to remember the boys they don't. But, but, but here I am devastated. Not only am I dumped, but you know, I, I just spent all my hard-earned money on this gift meant for someone in particular, literally had her name engraved on it, and now it's useless. It can't go to anyone. I'm like, well, maybe I get a little plaque made up for whoever my next girlfriend is. And it'd be like, <laughs> just glue it, right? Like, Andy and your name here. <laughs> Together for now. <laughs> so, so the gifts, you know, I, I could not force her to take that gift, right? I couldn't just come to her house and throw it under her tree and say, you're taking it, right? And, and the Holy Spirit works the same way. He is not going to force any of these gifts on us. He, he doesn't want to be rejected any more than I wanted to be rejected in high school. But we are all created with free will, and we all have that ability to either accept the gifts or to reject the gifts and say, I, I'm not going to operate in that gift, or I do want to operate in that gift. So, so that's what I mean by pursuing the gifts, and that's how we balance the fact that these are things that we have to want, we have to pursue, and we have to ask for, even if it's the Holy Spirit that is the one that gives us that gift and that chooses where each of these gifts go and where in the body it makes the most sense. So that's step one. Pursue the gifts that edify the church. Step two. Practice the gifts that you're given. So now we jump into Romans 12. I don't know if you guys still had your fingers in the Bible or not, but Romans 12 was one of the, one of the spots we were marking off. Uh, and here in verses 6 through 8 of Romans chapter 12, it says, If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in, cord- in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is in- to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So, you know, I mentioned before, these are not just merit badges that we are trying to earn. And so that we can say, look look at me, I've got this gift. If you've been given a gift, it's your responsibility to practice that gift. And I specifically use the word practice because we all know that the more we practice something, the better we get at it, Right? And so this is not always a matter of you're given a gift and immediately you are fully operating in that gift. There there are times where the Holy Spirit will do that and he's able to do that, but more often than not, it's a growing process, just like with the fruits of as as we exercise our faith in the Holy Spirit, he grows the fruits in us deeper and deeper and they become more and more evident. That same model holds true with the gifts of the Spirit. As we begin to prophesy, it says, a prophesy, prophesy in accordance with your faith. You might start off, and you can prophesy over small things. And as your faith grows, your gifting grows. And so this is a, a growing process, like we saw in that, that earlier chart. You know, it's not just a one-time event. This is part of the journey that he has placed us on to grow in the gifts. The other, thing that we, the other things that we see here is that we're not just supposed to exercise the gifts, but we're supposed to exercise them well to the best of our ability and exercise them not begrudgingly, but willingly. And so, you know, it talks about doing things well, right? If, if your gift is giving, give generously. 
If your gift is leading, do it diligently. If your gift is mercy, this is the tough one. If your gift is mercy, do it cheerfully. You know, it's really hard to extend mercy to someone who has hurt you. It is even harder to extend that mercy cheerfully, right? That's not something that we can do in our natural selves. That's not something that people are just, oh, some people are just wired to be able to be merciful and, and cheerful. No, that goes against our whole, whole nature. That only comes when the Holy Spirit is working in us and changing the way we operate in the gifts that he has given us. So we practice the gifts that we are given. We do this and it grows in us. We do it to the best of our ability, the abilities that he has given us. And we do it with a willing and a cheerful heart. And then we move to uh, step three, how do we use the gift? And that is we wrap them in love. So gifts are, you know, typically when you get a gift, it's wrapped in wrapping paper or a gift bag. And some people might think, well, that's, that's just... Frivolous. That is very inefficient that I just gave you a gift. It would be much faster if you just took the gift and went, right? Why do I have to do this, this decorative stuff? But really, when you wrap something in wrapping paper, what you're telling them is, I'm giving this to you, and I want this to be special, right? You're special to me. This is special. And the wrapping paper also gives us a clue as to the purpose of why we're giving that gift, so my dad's birthday is very close to Christmas, just a few days apart from Christmas. So whenever we're doing Christmas shopping, we're also doing birthday shopping. But we're always very intentional about wrapping the Christmas gift in Christmas paper and wrapping the birthday gift in birthday paper because the wrapping paper tells you why you're giving that gift. So here, Dad, I'm giving you this gift to wish you a Merry Christmas. I'm giving you this gift to wish you a happy birthday. And so the wrapping paper, while it may seem frivolous or inefficient, is really part of the gift-giving process. It's what makes it special, and it's what gives it that context of why am I even giving you this gift in the first place? So how does the Apostle Paul wrap the gifts of the Spirit? Uh, He wraps them in love, and we see this in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, I really could have put the whole chapter in here because it's such a great chapter in love, but I just picked the the, the first two verses, because it really hits on some of the gifts that we were talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right before this, the, the gifts of the Spirit. But in chapter 13, the Apostle Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And so what he's saying is, you know, yes, you can be given gifts of the Spirit and you can do amazing things in them, but giving that much power to to a situation where it's not done in love can be really damaging. It can do a lot of of harm. And so actually, if you remember that, that first graphic that I had earlier where it lists, here's the three gifts that we see in Romans, Corinthians, and Ephesians, uh, I have another version of that picture. And if you take a step back and view the context of where each of those lists were given in those epistles, you can see that the Apostle Paul, who wrote all three of those books, Romans, uh, 1 Corinthians, and Ephesians, each of those gifts he had already wrapped in a message of either unity or love. 
So in Romans chapter 12, the gifts, the motivational gifts of the Spirit are in a section titled Living Sacrifices. And it talks about how we die to ourselves and we serve others as living sacrifices. And then in that chapter, he immediately goes on to a section about love. So already that very first time we see the gifts of the Spirit mentioned, it's wrapped in the context of love. We move to 1 Corinthians And in chapter 12, the spiritual gifts are listed in a section titled Spiritual Gifts. Uh, So that one's kind of straightforward. But if you read down to what's the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and what follows it in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, the next section is called One Body, Many Parts. And it talks about, like we were saying earlier, different people are gifted with different abilities, just like different body parts serve different functions in the same body, but they all need to work together in unity. And then then he rolls right into chapter 13, which we just read a minute ago, the first couple of verses of that, of you can have all of these gifts, but if it's not covered in love, you're just making noise. And then we move to Ephesians, and we see the ministry gifts, where we see gifts gifts like prophets and apostles and, and teachers. And that is in a section called Unity in the Body. And a lot of the message that he gives in 1 Corinthians about the different parts of the body working together and each fulfilling their role, he reiterates that. The message he had given to the church in Corinth, he reiterates it to the church in Ephesus. As you can see, each of these gifts come wrapped in a message of unity and love. And that's the, the healthy way, the context that all of those gifts are meant to be exercised. So uh, I'm going to ask the, the worship team to, to come up as, as we start to, to wrap things up. Uh, and like, like I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, you know, these are all great facts to know about the Holy Spirit, but they really don't mean anything until we, we choose to take action and we choose to do something about it. So I'm going to put three questions up on the screen that I'd like you to, to start to, to think through uh, as, as we lead up to the closing song. The first question is, what gifts of the Spirit am I pursuing? And I think if, if the answer is, well, I'm not pursuing any gifts right now, then I guess the next question is, well, why, why aren't you pursuing uh, any gifts of the Spirit? Uh, and, and so some of this is going to be homework, right? Sometimes, not sometimes, our spiritual lives depend on individual time between us and God. And so we're going to do as much as we can as a church body to help foster this and to help build this up. But some of this is work that you need to do on your own in your, in your quiet time. You can use the scriptures that we looked at uh, this morning, the different areas where it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. You can use books like the one I mentioned earlier to kind of dig in and, and understand things a little bit better. But that part you need to do kind of on your own. What we want to do as a church to help facilitate that is you heard in the announcements earlier, uh, we've got these pursuit nights. So the, the last Wednesday of every month, we all come together and, you know, we don't have a big lesson planned. We don't have a lot of games. We don't have games, activities, anything like that. And it's just a time to come together as a body and just like the name implies, to pursue God. So th- this week we have a pursuit night coming up on Wednesday and our focus is really going to be on pursuing the Holy Spirit and pursuing the gifts that he wants to give us. And so, yes, this is an individual thing, but it's also something that we're trying to do corporately as a body. 
uh, to, to pursue him. The next question is, do I understand what gifts I've already been given? So this, you know, again, t- again take some time going through kind of understanding how you've been wired, what gifts you've been, you've been given from the Holy Spirit already in your past experience. Um, and this is an area where, as a church, we want to help you as well. You heard in the announcements a, a little bit ago that we've got an Explore class coming up. It starts uh, was it the next week. If you haven't taken the Explore class before, uh, I, I highly recommend it. It's not just learning about what the church believes and, and you know, becoming, I'll check that box and I'll become a member. One of, one of the most, what I found, one of the most valuable parts of that Explore class is we give you a, a giftings test to kind of understand how you've been wired and, and what kind of gifts you may already have and to understand kind of, you know, how, how can I start to operate in these gifts that I'm hearing about and, you know, and, and what does that look like? Because it, it can be daunting. You know, I threw that chart up there. are 21 different gifts that we're, we're trying to look at and trying to, to make sense of. And so if you haven't had an opportunity to take that Explore class, I'd encourage you to sign up. It's a great way to just go through that and, and understand how am I already gifted uh, in addition to what gifts might I be pursuing? And then question number three, once we've figured out those first two, is how am I using them to fulfill God's purpose? You know, it's, it's very easy to look, to watch the news and to look around and, and to say, oh man, things are getting really bad, right? This, this clearly is the, the last days. It, it's obvious that, that you know, things are just spiraling out of control. And yet, in the midst of all of that turmoil and all of that conflict, there's this church in Lansdale, maybe you've heard of it, Bridge Community Church, right? And, and there's a body of believers coming together, and so many of us are coming together that we have to go to two services now so that everyone has the opportunity to come in here and to be built up and to build up each other. And so this is a great time to start to think, you know, am, do I have gifts that I'm just wearing as a badge or maybe just keeping in my pocket and not even letting anyone know that I have? Are there gifts that I've already been given that I can start to exercise? You know, maybe it's part of the Sunday morning um, in, you know, as, as we move to two services. Maybe it's another ministry. But there's just plenty of opportunities to take our eyes off of the world and all of the problems and the things that we maybe cannot control. And let's just focus on, but what can we do, right? We've been blessed with a a church and a community that's hungry for God in a nation where we're allowed to meet uh, and, and come together like this. What are we doing to be a part of that? How do we build that up? So I'd encourage you to kind of think through this, uh, on, on your own, take advantage of the opportunities that we're providing as a church to, to walk this out. Uh, what I'm going to do now is, in, in just a minute, I'm going to step out of the way and I'm going to let the, the worship team uh, lead us in a song called More Like Jesus. And, and I want you to to hear two two lines. Well, I want you to hear the whole song, but the two lines I really want to jump out at you is there's, there's a line in one of the verses where you know, it's talking about we want to be more like Jesus. And it says that the king of kings came to serve, right? So that's the, that's the position that we want in our heart. Not of, I want to be a king, but I want to serve just like my king served. And the other line that, that really jumped out at me is in the bridge. It says, this world 
is dying to know who you are. And if that doesn't motivate us to work in the gifts that we've been given, I, I don't know what will. We are given these gifts for a purpose to reach those who are just dying to know who it is uh, that, that Jesus was, that Jesus is. Um, so we're going to take a few minutes. The, the worship team will lead us in that song. Uh,